this is gonna be a tough topic to talk about. Um, not just personally, but just in general. I am. Um, it's very difficult. Suffering is not easy. But I am gonna try to talk about this. And, uh, we're gonna see what happens. So, here we go. Everyone goes through suffering. In fact, it's very rare. And most of the time, it just doesn't happen at all, where you'll find somebody who went through life without pain. Sufferless, you could say. Because it seems today that you can't, like... It seems like today you cannot turn on the news. Or flip through a newspaper, in fact, and not see some type of murder, assault, rape, some act of violence, terrorism, some sort of like corrupt politician. Suffering is everywhere. In fact, I can say for sure that it's impossible to go through life without facing some form of suffering or witnessing it. Because we live in a world that's fallen, that is corrupted by sin. This world is full of sin, temptation, and just perverse people, and just perversion in general. Look at any form of TV today. The ads that are sexual, the fact that they encourage sex before marriage, and adultery, and all these forms of sin is just... Wow. It's just, it's, you know, discouraging. It really is discouraging. But the question is, like, how do we, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to cope having to live in this world? I'd like to introduce you to God. <laughs> Some of you know him personally. Some of you have heard about him. And for those of you who are kind of questioning whether he's there or not, I'd like to tell you my story. Not my testimony. This is pretty close. But I'd like to tell you my experience with suffering. You see, <laughs> I get teared up during this episode. I'm trying not to. <laughs> this truly is difficult. Um,. You see, back when I was seven, I, um, I got real sick, and, uh, it seemed that I wasn't going to make it through at one point, and, uh, no, <laughs> most of what I know about what happened is because people told me. I don't really, I don't remember much about when I was seven and this experience with um, pain and suffering and almost torture. Um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a very difficult thing to talk about for me. Um, especially because now that I am talking about this, this is so, so, so surreal. And if I do end up crying, I pray that you do forgive me and you try and understand um, why I'm crying. I'm already getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. Um, 
I had three different forms of a brain injury. <sighs> All fairly major, um, even standing on their own. But one form of it is called uh, um, meningitis. It's pretty popularly and well known. It's pretty popular and well known without the medical community sometimes even outside of that um, I remember when it was an endemic um, way back in the day people were saying yep, get your meningitis get your meni-. back in the day when people would say get your meningitis shot and this and that you can still get it I know I had it didn't exactly do anything Um, and again I live in Wisconsin and I went to Children's Hospital of Wisconsin where my mom and I um, my close to my adult years um, so in my late teens I he started calling me Club Chow so you know, Facebook post would be like, hey, we're back at Club Chow. Gonna be here for a week, maybe two, maybe even three. I'll get, I'll get to that later. When I got there, um, I'm still tearing up. I'm sorry if this is becomes waterworks. <laughs> I'm gonna hope it doesn't. Again, I was seven. Um, <clears throat> cannot believe I'm actually tearing up. I have told the story so many hundreds of times, and I am now tearing up. Oh. <clears throat> it um, it's difficult to kind of describe what this was like. Because I do have, I do have a few. Me- <laughs> this is because I, I do have a few memories of when I was in the hospital. And the thing is, is that during the that time when I, that I remember at least during that time, I had no idea what just happened. I just I was living life, dandy. I was, you know, I was happy. I was happy to be where I was, and it was like I didn't. I, and it's like I didn't know what was going on. That's very harsh. And that's very difficult. It, um... You get to the hospital. Um... And then they found out, hey, hey, not only does Alec have meningitis, he also has this thing called encephalitis. And then they're like, oh, well, um, not only does he have encephalitis and myelitis and meningitis, he has this thing called myelitis. And at that point, um, the weird part is, is that these are so, such complex diseases that I'm actually, <laughs> right now, I'm going to look up the actual legit definitions because I even, even if they're all these years, I still need to look this up. Okay, so I just looked at meningitis. Uh, meningitis. So meningitis. It says here that the meningitis is the inflammation 
or swelling of the protective uh, membranes covering the brain and spinal cord. Um, a bacterial or viral infection um, of the fluid surrounding the brain and spinal cord um, usually causes the swelling. However, injuries, cancer, um, certain drugs, and other types of infections can cause meningitis. That's that's terrifying. Now let's look up encephalitis. En encephalitis. En. For all those who need to know how to spell it, E-N-C-E-P-H-A-L-I-T-I-S. Encephalitis is the inflammation of the brain. There are several causes, um, but the most common is the viral infection, which is what I had. Because with bacteria, that would be an issue. Encephalitis often causes only mild flu-like signs and symptoms. That was not the case for me. Um, such as fever or headache. Or no symptoms at all. Boy, wouldn't I be lucky. M-Y-E-L-I-T-I-S, myelitis, is the inflammation of the spinal cord, which can disturb the normal responses from the brain, from the brain to the, <clears throat> from the brain to the rest of the body, and from uh, the rest of the body to the brain. Basically, it interrupts the signals that are sent from brain to your spine to your body um, or th- when you touch something it sends through your spinal cord and up to your brain so you can be like hey this is what's going on okay so we, we got that down which is good I'm gonna I'm gonna try my bestest right now not to break down. It's very difficult. Okay. So that's what I was going through. All three, all three of those at once. Um, at one point, I just lost consciousness, and just in general. And um, that lasted two weeks. Four weeks. Now, this was back in December of 2004. <sighs> I first started showing sign um, around Sydney. I was unresponsive for two weeks. Now, legend has it, and I've gotten two forms of the same legend that when I will. Um, woke up it was on Christmas Eve or Christmas and we'll get back to that in a second now, during which time I um, was in the hospital um, again this is just from what I remember from being told is that I had a 24 hour seizure and I had um a jump in core temperature that was very high and very dangerous. Like 107, 106, something like that. And it was, uh, that's difficult for me. 
even now, I'm 22 years old. This is 15 years later. And it's just it's difficult for me to even wrap my mind around. I mean, for me right now, next month is my 15-year anniversary of that event. Wow. I mean, that's, that's just crazy. Now... While I was in the hospital, very strange things happened to my parents that they cannot explain other than saying it was the work of God. And I'm going to have them on at one point or another, and I'm going to ask them to give their testimony as to what happened. Now I'm going to move on to something that I'm a little bit more familiar with because I was conscious. Um, I'm going to fast forward around eight years. My freshman year, high school, I'm 15 at this point. I'm 15 at this point and um, uh, I'm a pretty big sports guy. I I love sports. At, at that point, I, I had played baseball for most of my life. Um, I played golf pretty casually. I loved volleyball. I wasn't... I, I loved just sports. And um, it, the way, when I look back at it, I realized that I was letting sports become a god. Or an idol. And idolatry um, is mentioned in the second commandment that I shall not have, or you shall not carve for yourself. Um, or should, or should, or should I say, this is um, more of a um, first commandment: you shall have no gods before me. Which is, if you want to look it up, that's Exodus twenty verse three. Anyway, so. Um, God is a, we have a clever God, amen to that too, because um, to fix this and to kind of reform my focus on what was important in life, after my freshman season of volleyball, the bottom half of my right eye went and it was gone. At first, it grayed out, and I mentioned it to my mom, and she was like, "That's not good. Let's give it a day or two to correct itself. And if it doesn't, or if it gets worse, we're gonna go see an eye doctor." And I went, "Cool." And lo and behold, it did not get any better. In fact, it got a bit worse. So we went to see an eye doctor, and he um, <laughs> he looks at he looks through this machine into my optic nerve and he goes well it's swollen you might want to go to an ER so we go oh good and we go to an ER and they go well yep it's optic neuritis um unironically telling me to keep an eye on it I went thanks doc and uh, I punched him in the face and left no I'm just kidding um one of the ways that I cope with these things, especially when I'm in the midst of it, is through humor. I think it truly is the best medicine. Now, fast forward a year later, almost a year later, I don't remember what I was doing, but I remember my peripheral vision caving in on itself. I still had central vision in my left eye, but started to cave in now because I lost so much vision and it was a significant amount at this point um, I had to quit playing sports and that was a pretty big deal to me because sports was everything or I had to quit volleyball and I said to myself I still need to do sports which is basically like me 
um, giving God the middle finger saying, you know what, swoops to your plan because I'm going to find another way to do sports. So I ran track my sophomore year. Um, half blind in my right eye and unable to have peripheral vision in my left eye. Moving on to my junior year, um, I remember what happened. I was sitting downstairs at my parents' house on the couch, waiting for my mom to come downstairs and my sister so we could go to my sister's softball game. And I was reading something and I noticed I couldn't see the right side of the page at all. And I closed my left eye. And I closed my left eye and I noticed um, that um, I couldn't see out of my right eye at all. And not freaking out because I've learned not to freak out and just be calm and trust it. There's a reason for it. Um, by the way, if you hear anything, I don't think you do, but if you hear anything, my roommate just walked in. Um, but I mean, like I was trying not to freak out because quite frankly, it's pretty easy to freak out when you lose vision. Um, I hope to, I just pray that none of my listeners have lost vision. Um, for any reason, but if you have, you, you know what I mean. It's pretty easy to freak out. And for those of you who haven't lost vision, praise God for that, and pray and praise God every day. Every time you wake up in the morning, you can see out of both your eyes. Praise the Lord. Every moment that you can see out of your eyes, both of them. Praise God, because at any moment, I can testify to this at any moment, just like that, it can be just taken away, for God giveth and taketh away. That is a fact. Now, back to the story. I lost my right eye. All right, well, I stuck up my left eye to work with, right? Well, that year, I was also diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And that was around the same year. I'm sorry. That was around the same year that God reintroduced poetry into my life. Kind of like a boomerang came back to me. I was I I was into it when I was a kid. I didn't really know it, but I was. And um, and I um, started writing poems at seventeen. My first poem that I wrote was a poem called "The Aftermath," and it was an anti-bullying poem. It was good, but um, it got some attention um, because of something that it did. If you guys want to know what happened, I'll leave descriptions in the... I'd rather not talk about it right now. I'll leave, I'll leave links in the description if you want to check it out. You can do it in your own time. Anyway. So that happened. Um... Skipping forward a few years, um, a lot has happened in the ma- in the meantime between 17 and 21. But I'm just going to tell I was 21 because we're talking about suffering, right? Actually, no, I'm, I'm going to stay on my 17th year because during the summer of my 17th year, there was a week where my headaches literally, li- literally crippled me on a couch. Now, I have a pretty high pain tolerance because of what I've had to go through. And just the things I've had to do 
when it comes to needles, when it comes to MRIs, EEGs, just dealing with it and saying, you know what, I'm not going to show pain or that I'm going through suffering. I'm just going to bite the bullet and suffer in silence. And that's what I, and I got really freaking good at it too, by the way. I still do it. It's kind of a bad habit. Especially living in a Christian community. It's, 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 it's just something that like I should be suffering with brothers and sisters so that, and letting them know what's going on so they can pray for me. And if you have the same bad habit of suffering in silence, I plead you, please tell people about it because when pe- more people pray, I just know that, you know, there's more encouragement from people. And people can give you advice and new perspectives in what it's all about perspective. So good. So good. And um I was on this couch for about a week. I barely ate. I barely I had a lot to drink fluid wise, but I barely ate. I never I barely ever got off the bed. I went, I wanted to go to the bathroom every now and then, but I barely got off that bed. Didn't take a shower. Until the last day. When um, I told my mom I just needed to hear a sermon. So she got her laptop out, put on YouTube. I just put on sermon and clicked the first video I saw. Now, I had photophobia. Now what photophobia is, is it's the fear of light. Now what that might be kind of wondering like, well, that's so weird when you're a vampire. No. When you have a headache and light makes it worse, that's called photophobia. When you need to be in a dark room, yeah, that's photophobia. Now, um, (sighs) I was closing my eyes and listening to this. pastor, I can't remember who it was, some guy in like in an Asian country, um, did a sermon, uh, getting on your knees when you pray, which is looked at as kind of an extreme form, and um, kind of a weird form of praying, kind of makes you stand up in the crowd. Even though you're kneeling, you stand up. And um, it was good, but it didn't help me at all. So I was just like, gosh, I just need more. I need more. So we turned on the TV, and we have cable at home from my parents' house. And Channel 20 usually has like a lot of Christian stuff. So I put that on, and it's a church service. Different guy, I think different year. I think this one was in like Los Angeles. It was in California somewhere, I think. And um, unironically, he talked about why it's important to get on your knees and you pray. And I went, all right, God, I know you're talking to me. I know you're trying to tell me something. So why don't you just tell me? No answer. Hmm. Well, that night, thank the Lord that night, I um, got enough strength to go upstairs to my room. And I go to my room and I take a shower and I put on some nice PJs, nice and warm. I get into my own bed, which was amazing, which felt so good. And I got into my bed and oh, it just hurt. It just hurt. It just hurt. Oh my gosh, the pain, man. The pain. Just, oh, it makes my eyes water right now. And then it hit me. You idiots. Get on your knees and pray. So I did. I got my knees, I put my hands, my, and my legs, and I said, God, just take it away, take it away, take it away. And I gave up. 
it got so bad I just gave up. So <laughs> and snake my eyes water for a whole nother reason right now. I put my arms out, stretching my arms out. And I just said, I surrender. I can't do this out of my own strength. God, your will be done. And in seconds, no more pain. And it didn't come back. And since this has happened, those headaches have not come back. They've come back bad, but never that bad. <sighs> Guys, good things come out of suffering. Let me give you another example. Um, and a lot has added up. A lot of things happened for me to get here, but I will, um, skip those parts and, and save them for when I, um, do my testimony. So be on the lookout for that. Anyway, so I go to the UP, the Upper Peninsula in Michigan, um, And, um, let me just, let me just talk a moment about the power of prayer. Because I know that in the Christian community, there's a lot of talk about, let me just, oh, I'll be praying for you, or this or that, you know. As a Christian, it's very second nature for us to say, oh, I'm going to pray for you. And then we never do. We forget about it. Um, we, 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 because as Christians, I feel like I'm, this is me speaking to myself too, because I do this all the time. Is saying, "I'll pray for you," and then I don't. It's an empty promise. But I think one of the things that I need to start, you know, personally, I need to start reminding myself of, and what I think people should do and make this a practice is because this is a healthy practice is reminding yourself that prayer works it's not a joke it's not just like saying oh you know it's nice it's nice to do every now and then no it works and i can testify to it and um i don't know i just I feel like the fact that when I got on my knees to pray and I prayed and it was gone, like in that moment, like that, like that, just speaks to it that it works. Oh my gosh. Guys, when you pray, Pray ceaselessly. Pray without ceasing. This is that's one of the things that I'm working on right now is just be, making sure that I'm always in prayer. That's why I don't really like to say amen until the end of the day. Now, I want to start making. I, I want to at least try and make that one of my daily practices is saying my whole day is one prayer. And then before I go to bed, I say, amen. That's the end of my day. One thing that I really want to point out here is I'm not condemning anybody. If you feel that way, I'm sorry. I, I It's not at all what I was trying to do. This is just me telling you my experience with suffering. Now, moving on, I was 21. I worked as a camp counselor at a camp called um, Cedar Campus, which is run by InterVarsity. And it was one of my best summers of my life. One of. I've had some better ones, but not by much. And it was a job. I got paid for it. 
um, because you know there was actual work involved. Um, you know, lesson planning, having to sometimes deal with you know certain situations, conflicts, stuff like that. Um, that is actual work, especially when you care about the kids so much. And um, you know, when I was doing this, um, I, I just I struggled a lot because every single week we went on these hikes called the Narnia hike. There was this thing called the Narnia Trail. Um, this is in Cedarville, Michigan. If any of you guys want to go check it out too, I highly recommend it. Take your family. Now, I was there from May 17th, May, no, May 19th, 18th, 17th, around there. 17th, 18th, or 19th. It's one of those in May of 2018 until August 17th. Um, so for three months, right? And the last, the second last week that I was there, I was in the midst of a family group. Um, which was kind of like just like a Bible study with certain people. And my group is all about prayer, which is spoke a lot to me and I'm making a lot of connections now to other people in at the camp that were working on their prayer life um and I was looking I was I had my phone out I was reading my bible up and I was following along with one of the passages and I realized I couldn't see the bottom half of my phone. And I looked up and I could no longer see my phone. And the reason, no, because I couldn't no longer see my phone, what that meant was I just lost the bottom half of my left eye. So right eye is gone. Left peripheral vision is gone. And so is the left bottom half. That's where I'm at right now. Like, as I'm speaking, I, I gotta lose the rest of it tomorrow. But as I'm recording right now, that's where I'm at. And I'm okay with it. Because God has allowed me to lose vision, He's allowed me to see more when it comes to my faith, when it comes to. Um, just living a Christian life when it comes to having faith in the midst of suffering. Guys, I can tell you right now that if you are blind and listening to this or you have vision issues, let me tell you this right now. I'm speaking to those with vision issues right now. The only eyes that matter are the ones in the midst of the word, the ones in the middle of the word's faith and believe so do not allow your vision issues to take to to distract you from looking towards god from seeing him in the midst of your situation he does not leave let's open your bibles to matthew 14 verse 22 This is a very, I don't know, this is a very well-known passage in the Christian community. This is when Jesus walked on water. And I love this passage. Because I was listening to um, John Jorgensen. Some of you may know him. If you don't, please go check him out on YouTube. He's an amazing um, preacher. Um, speaker and also just spoken word artist he's crazy good I wish I could do spoken word like him anyway so <sighs> just take a moment just take a moment hang on just let me just get let me just take a moment <clears throat> guys again if I break down in the middle of this I beg your apologies I know I'm not a pretty crier. 
So, in this story, uh, when I when I read this story, I, I always put myself in the perspective of Peter. And Peter, uh, he, well, okay. So Peter, I'm just like Peter, and so are all of us. We have our good moments and our bad moments when it comes to our faith. And Peter had a lot of good moments, but also a lot of bad moments where he was um, quick to act. He didn't really think about what he was doing or he, he did things out of spite. There, Peter had a lot of flaws, a lot of flaws. And I love putting myself in that perspective because I love the idea of in the middle of a storm, Jesus being there. Now, let me kind of change your perspective of this story. First of all, let's read the story, okay? Let's go. First of all, let's let's kind of do a reading of this. Okay, so um Matthew Matthew 14:22 again one of my favorite favorite stories in the Bible and there's a lot of them so I'm reading I'm reading the ESV I'm gonna give the spiel again um, no matter what version of the Bible you have no matter what translation it is NIV um, ASV what have you Yes, I don't even think that's a version. Anyway, what have you? Like New King James, King James, whatever it is. Um, NAB, that's what I was thinking of. New American Bible. Anyway, so I want you, want you to realize is that no matter how it's worded, the message is always the same. The message never changes. Amen. Okay. Follow along with me. Or just listen. That's good too. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before and go before him to the other side until he just while he dismissed the crowd. Now he going back another um, story, he said it says Jesus fed to five thousand, that's verse thirteen. All the way to twenty one. Anyway, back to this, 20-23, it says, And after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. You'll find in the Bible that Jesus does this a lot. He prays by himself. And I think so should we. I think like, however Jesus prays, that's a little, that's how we should be praying. 24. But the boat, by the time, by this time, was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So a storm starting to brew. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were afraid and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Sorry, I'm just kind of. I wrote a poem from the perspective of Peter about the story, and I'm I'm thinking of different rhymes. Sorry. Um, 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to him, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. You want to know a cool fact? In the Bible, do not be afraid is just a phrase that is used 365 times. No, that's a lot of times, right? So why is that significant? Well, how many days in the year are there? Yeah. So every day of the year, we have a reason not to be afraid. Come at me, devil. Anyway, uh, 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I love what he says. 
He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water and came to Jesus. Okay, so come, come, come. He commands of Jesus proof saying, command me to come to you in the water. And I imagine Jesus so graciously just says, okay, fine, then come to me. What a picture. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to cry out, Lord, save me. If you guys have a highlighter or a pen, underline it or highlight it. That's verse 30. 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. All of you little faith, why did you doubt? Please highlight that too. Or underline it. We're going to come back to those two. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Can you please, if you will, do the same thing with that one? And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's go back to verse 30. Now, I want to kind of give you a different outlook on this story. Again, this is just what helps me when it comes to suffering. This is kind of a perspective that gives me hope. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. Um, everyone has their own way of dealing with things. So verse 30. Well, first of all, okay, so let me go back. Let me take a step back. The storm represents something. It represents problems in your life, times of hardship, right? Okay. So we're Peter. You're Peter. Y'all are Peter, technically, in this story. I'll tell you why in a little bit, or why I think so. Um, Jesus, a lot of us will realize, or when we're reflecting on this, we realize that Jesus calls us out of the, out of our boat, like out of our comfort zone, right? To walk upon the water, you know. Now, verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind, he was said, he, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So, let me give you this perspective. The wind represents problems that we see, like th things that we can notice, right? Now, in the midst of the storm, Jesus is in the midst of it all. Right? Okay. I'm getting new perspectives the more I think about it. Um, in the midst of it all, Jesus is there. Just walking upon the water. But some of sometimes we take our eyes off of Jesus, just like Peter did, to look at the wind. Because we see the wind. And like Peter did, sometimes we get afraid. And our faith begins to sink, as Peter did. And we'll say, Lord, save me. It's the final desperation. Now let's move on immediately to 31. Notice the phrasing. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. <sighs> wow. Um, immediately. Not soon after, not eventually. Not be patient. I shall you know, be here or whatever. One fourth hour though. Um, immediately, right away, no hesitation, right when you ask. However, he will say to you, once he grabs you and pulls you back into the boat, he will tell you or ask you, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
That's a reflection question. It's also called rhetorical. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, sometimes when you get back in your comfort zone, um, the wind does not cease. Sometimes the wind does not cease. And that's okay. I mean, like, sometimes storms go on. You know, they continue. Even when we've learned our lesson. But realize this. That if the storm continues, there's another lesson to be learned. So we must be faithful and steadfast um, in our in our obedience to God. Now... I mentioned how God brought poetry back in my life. Well, um, excuse me. Right now I'm drinking herbal gray tea, or herbal, herbal gray tea and um, hot chocolate. Because it's a little cold. Anyway. Excuse me. So, again, um, he brought poetry back into my life. And I think it was last year, or maybe even earlier this year, 2019, that is. I don't know when you're listening to this. Um, earlier in 2019, or maybe even 2018, of late 2018, I wrote, um, I started video series which I need to continue um, called Dear MS and now Dear MS what they are is they're just letters that I'm writing metaphorically to MS telling MS what it is to me nothing now let's look at MS what is MS? MS is multiple sclerosis sure but MS itself is an abbreviation MS two letters Ooh, I can do stuff with that, right? Yeah. So what has multiple sclerosis done? Using the words MS. Well, um, MS has given me much strength. Hey, well, there's one. MS has given me many stories to tell. Ooh, there's good. MS... Has brought to me much suffering. Okay, true. Fair enough. But you know who's with me the entire time? My savior. Yeah. My shepherd. Pretty good. Let's keep going. My shepherd, my savior, he was crossed. I mean, <laughs> he was crossed. He was crucified on the cross. So while we're at it, I'm gonna crucify my sin. I'm gonna crucify my shame, my sorrow, my suffering, and above all else, multiple sclerosis. And when I crucify them, on the cross with my savior I'm saying I'm making a statement I'm saying they have no power mm. <laughs> difficult yeah it is difficult for sure Um, so I do want to encourage you that (sighs) I'm not going to pretend I know what you're going through right now. I don't. It could be really bad. It could be really bad. Or it could be not so bad. It all depends on how you look at it. You see, suffering is a th- is a thing of perspective. I've I've noticed. 
again, everything I'm, tell- I'm talking to you about has to do with what I've learned, perspectives that I've gained, and my experience with, with suffering. It's not easy, guys. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It ain't easy. But that doesn't mean you have to do it alone. You have friends, family. Let me tell you something. Suffering in vain and alone. Especially together, but even doing one or the other is the worst thing you can do for yourself. It's awful, you know? So, I do, I do want to encourage you in that sense to um, bring people alongside you when you're suffering. So they can ease your pain, or they can <laughs> make you laugh, grieve with you, cry with you. But also to keep you company and let you know, hey, I'm here. For those of you who want another way of thinking about this, um, I encourage you to look up um, on YouTube Rob Bell's video on rain. He talks about how um, when he goes through this, um, when he or when he went through, he went for a walk with his kid his baby strapped on his back this little hiking backpack you know and then it started to rain and um they're at the they're at the furthest point from the cabin when they're going around the lake and um he puts his hood up he puts his son's hood up but his son but being a baby and not knowing any better, um, put it back down. And it started to rain and rain and rain and rain and rain. And, he st- and the baby started crying, crying, crying. So Rob tells about how he got to take the baby out and hold him close to his chest and whisper into his ear, We're gonna make it. Dad, no, Dad knows the way home. I love you, buddy. We're gonna make it. Dad knows the way. Now, obviously, in that sense and in that story, we are the baby and Rob would represent God in that moment because um, when life starts to pour downpour trenches and rain, we start getting scared because of the lightning and the thunder. God takes us out and holds him close to his chest and whispers in your ear, we're going to make it. Dad knows the way. I love you, buddy. I love you. And that's another thing to remember is no matter how alone you feel, you are loved by the creator of the universe above all else. Above all else. And I'm going to stop there. But this is just going to be part one. I'm going to do a a couple of different parts. A couple of different segments. On suffering. Talking about different parts. And different areas of suffering. So I hope. My prayer is that. You know. This episode. um, Gives you some perspective. Um. This is my experience. Next time I'm gonna bring on Kyle and we're gonna talk about kind of some philosophies and analogies and stuff like that. He taught me one today that just blew my freaking mind. Um, but, but yeah, um, remember that you guys are awesome. You guys are loved. I love you, God loves you. You have friends and family that love you. Never give up and above all else, 
Stay awesome.